Hi, you're listening to the Evolution of Business podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Brady, and I'm here today with Denny DeLeo. Denny is currently the president of the Venture Jobs Foundation and a partner at Trillium Group. Uh, the VJF invests in small businesses that will bring jobs to higher poverty neighborhoods. It provides a suite of technical assistance services to support this mission, including a revolving micro-lending fund and a business accelerator, which they call the VJF Jobs Kitchen. In 1997, he co-founded the Trillium Group, a venture capital and private equity firm that raised and invested $100 million. At Trillium, uh, he's the managing partner and fund executive of a of a venture fund invested in regional technology-oriented businesses. Prior to founding Trillium Group, he was employed at Eastman Kodak Company, starting in the legal division and ending his Kodak career as vice president and general manager of the Bioscience and Emerging Business Division and president and CEO of a Kodak subsidiary called Eastman Technology, Inc., which was formed to guide Kodak's internal entrepreneurship operations and launch businesses based on leading-edge technologies. He has a BA from the University of Rochester, a JD from the University of Chicago Law School, and completed the Advanced Management Program at the Harvard University. University Graduate School of Business. He's a former member of the Patent Policy Board of SUNY and a former vice chairman of the Rochester Philharmonic Orchestra Board. He's a board member of the Upstate Capital Association of New York, the Children's Institute in Rochester, and sits on several private company boards. So, Denny, you've got a story, really. Um, you know, looking backwards, a lot of it makes sense from from Kodak to getting into the entrepreneurship, which which brought you to Trillium, um, and, and now you're you're taking on this this Venture Jobs Foundation project. And I'm curious, when in your evolution of, of your career, uh, when did you start to recognize the need for, for the VJF and its services and, and this more impact investing, taking your, your skills from Trillium towards impact investing? <clears throat> well, if we go back a number of years, Andrew, um, I started out as a young lawyer in the legal division and then moved over to a group that did all of Kodak's technology negotiations worldwide all of it relating to the large business divisions of Eastman Kodak. Uh, My boss came to me one day and said that they had another assignment for me, and uh, he said that they were convinced that I was the right person to do it, and it ended up being to pick up some small businesses that didn't fit uh, other Kodak divisions and also pick up what then was called the Office of Innovation, which was a worldwide Kodak network to drive innovation, and the Kodak Venture Portfolio. And I did that for about uh, five years, and frankly, without knowing that I was going to like it, day one on the job, we got sued by another corporation for misappropriation of trade secrets. But by the end of day one, I knew that I was going to love the assignment. So uh, I took an early retirement from Kodak, uh, uh, which was opportunistic, and a few years later, co-founded Trillium Group to bring venture capital to the area where it really did not exist at that time. And uh, when the recession hit in 2007 and 2008, uh, individuals started coming to Trillium, small business owners looking for capital, because with the constraints placed on the banking system, they were essentially locked out of the loan market. And that was going to be a trend that was going to continue. And that was really the first time that I started thinking about delivering financial capacity to businesses that were that did not meet the growth and scale Uh, requirements that a venture firm would have. And I sat on that for a few years. And uh, about 2011, uh, I talked to a couple of law firms uh, about this and organizing it as a nonprofit. The first answers I got were that that was not appropriate for a nonprofit because we were investing in businesses. 
but there are creative lawyers. And I found a law firm in Syracuse and a particular lawyer that said, well, it had to be done carefully, but it could be done. And we really had a smooth sale through the uh, IRS uh, to get certification as a 501c3. So uh, I put together a very small board of people that I knew well. We took several years to uh, get basic policies in place. And it was really maybe 2014-ish where we started going out to raise some capital. And uh, we did a little bit of it with businesses that we knew. But in, uh, in 2015, we, uh, we chatted with the city of Rochester. And uh, after a long period of conversation, really, we were awarded $100,000 for small business lending to businesses that were domiciled in Rochester. And this was all to be consistent with our, bus- our model of supporting entrepreneurs that were going to create jobs in neighborhoods that had declined. We had to match that, which we did uh, with a private foundation. Our, our largest uh, co-investor was J.P. Morgan Chase uh, out of New York City. Uh, Canandaigua National Bank uh, came in. And uh, so we were off launching a micro-lending program. And uh, I, we, we have no employees at the Venture Jobs Foundation, but we have some absolutely outstanding volunteers who have deep backgrounds and a very high level of intrinsic talent. So a fellow by the name of John McDermott uh, runs our financial services operations, including all of our lending. And he was an international business executive for Kodak, ran Kodak e- Egypt for some years, uh, was a, uh, an internet uh, manager for Kodak for a few years, and then left Kodak uh, probably as Kodak was uh, downsizing and ended up running about a five or six million dollar label printing company in Rochester. So he picked up very solid uh, small business management experience. And uh, he's been working uh, overtime to try to generate a flow of, uh, of uh, borrower candidates that will meet our criteria. We learned very quickly that, uh, that a number of the candidates that came to us that were running businesses that we liked had issues uh, of many, many types, either the, uh, I should take a quick step back. Like other commercial lenders, the Venture Jobs Foundation looks at net worth assets that they have because we like security interests to support the likelihood that we're going to get repaid because we would like to be repaid and recycle that capital and do it again and again and again for other small businesses. But unlike commercial lenders, because my background is partly venture capital, We also look at every borrower candidate in terms of their potential to grow the business, uh, increase revenue, and create jobs. So whereas uh, a commercial lender might have certain requirements uh, for asset security, we like it, but we will make loans where the security would be very light from a banking point of view or they might not want to make the loan but because of the broader areas that we look at uh, to qualify a borrower – we, we will do those loans. Um, but there were many reasons, either assets that were not owned by the owner of the business, uh, financial acumen that just wasn't adequate to even manage small amounts of money. So we then started thinking about a program to be able to help these entrepreneurs who we, who we thought could be adequate borrower candidates but did not have what they needed at the moment. And we then raised capital for 
um, our accelerator program, a very generous $100,000 grant from J.P. Morgan Chase. They have been the largest benefactor of the foundation and great partners, frankly. Uh, so we launched uh, in early 2017 the Jobs Kitchen Accelerator, which is a nine-week program. I, I won't go into the details, but it basically – one of the most important things that we do is we force entrepreneurs to go out and engage with customers because their business starts with customers in the marketplace. And many of them, instinctively, they have a dream, but they don't always talk to customers. So we insist that they do that. We will, on September 13, we will be launching our third cohort. Anyone that wishes to apply uh, can go to our website. There is an online application. Navigation on the site is quite easy. We also uh, are developing a cadre of mentors who will work to help support our participant businesses as they go through the program. Um, anyone who would like to be a mentor can email me at dmdeleo at venturejobs.org. Be happy to chat. We have some background information and uh, we are we are always looking for mentors. We may not use them immediately, but uh, we want to develop Ben Strike that's very good to support the entrepreneurs. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of different programs across the the Venture Jobs <laughs> Foundation or, or VJF as we've been calling it. Uh, you know, we, we, there are there's the traditional venture capital model, which obviously you came from, where it's it's looking for those high growth businesses. But with the VJF, you're you're really focused on. Companies that can, um, you know, will move to high poverty neighborhoods to, to be a part of a revitalization, uh, and or be willing to hire people that are they're impacted by poverty. What are some of the you know metrics of success for the VJF for an investment uh, that that really matter beyond what maybe a traditional either bank or, or venture capital fund would be looking at? Well, for us, uh, our mission is making investments that will create low and mid-skill jobs and higher poverty neighborhoods. These can be businesses that are located in such a neighborhood, and we invest in them to grow there. They can be businesses that are located elsewhere, but they are looking to hire people with the skill levels that we want to support. And anytime we make a loan, the borrower commits to create a certain number of, uh, of jobs over a three-year period. And if they were located in, in a suburb of Rochester, let's say, but they were willing to hire people living in a neighborhood that has, was under stress, and they would, get, they would make sure that they got to their job in the suburbs, we would be perfectly okay with that. The other category is a business that's looking to expand and open a site in a neighborhood that, uh, that meets our criteria. So really, we have a number of options to invest, but at the end of the day, the jobs that are going to be created have to support the underserved populations that we are pledged to serve. And so you also noticed sort of a, uh, a gap in the marketplace. You know, there, there are the traditional venture capital or, or banks, and maybe then on the, on the smaller scale, there's, there's Kiva loans that you can do crowdfunding and, and get some zero-interest loans, uh, which is another thing that we're lucky enough to have in Rochester. But, but the VJF really, they, there's a gap between those two, I think, and, and the VJF really, really fills that. So what are the different, I know you have different levels of, of investment. So if there's a business owner out there that is looking to grow their business and, and might be willing to uh, you know, look at some of those metrics that you use uh, in terms of the kinds of jobs that they're creating or the places that they're locating. Um, what are the what are the size of the loans? What are the, what is the what is the what can they expect if they're looking at that? 
Well, we, we, we like the fact that Kiva Rochester exists, and they will lend money up to $10,000. Our loans, our microloans, run anywhere between $10,000 and $50,000. They have tended to be in the twenty dollars to $25,000 range, and it all depends on the nature of the business. You asked about metrics. Uh, the, the the public metric that we track and which we will publish is really the total number of jobs that have resulted from our investments. We don't break it out by business, but we also try to track the growth rate uh, in revenue of the of the firms we're investing in. Again, we don't publish that business by business, but as we develop uh, more extensive reporting mechanisms, we will probably track total revenue uh, generated out of our loan portfolio over time. And and then I know in our talks uh, in the past, you 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 mentioned that uh, in addition to to these these types of loans that that you're looking to make uh, to help businesses grow. Uh, there, there's also the element, as you were mentioning earlier, of this this Jobs Kitchen uh, Accelerator program. You know, for for those businesses that maybe it's a side hustle that that an entrepreneur is looking to make into into a growing business, or maybe they have got to where they are just on on pure pure hustle and drive and salesmanship alone, and and need a little bit of that that business uh, you know acumen and strategy. So providing them with mentors, I know you're really focused on. Building neighborhood entrepreneurship and and you know a more inclusive entrepreneurial community uh, it, through this Jobs Kitchen Accelerator program, and then even there, there's a newer program that you're going to be piloting soon as well. I, I believe the the Jobs Kitchen Academy it, it's called. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, the uh, the Jobs Kitchen Accelerator. The requirement is, uh, but to take a step back, all of the situations that you mentioned, whether it's a side hustle for somebody or a small business that they would like to grow, all of those are completely acceptable and viable candidates for the Jobs Kitchen Accelerator. The one thing that they have to share is that they know what they want to do. Because then when we say go out and talk to customers, it's a very clear path for who who they will go out and speak with. There, there's another group of entrepreneurs that I would say are more aspiring, and they're sort of juggling various options that they might have. And the Jobs Kitchen Academy, which uh, I should note when we launch it, the name may be a little bit different, but we think about it internally as the Jobs Kitchen Academy. Uh, that is to help entrepreneurs. We think the age demographic will be a little bit younger, who are wondering about pursuing one strategy or another. And that program is designed to have them rationalize their aspirations and really set a a top priority that they will take a run at first, and then they become candidates to uh, be accepted into the Jobs Kitchen Accelerator. Got it. Now, both of those programs, at the end of the day, are intended to help entrepreneurs be ready to access capital, whether it is from the Venture Jobs Foundation or other sources. Yeah, so so it seems like there is a kind of evolving mission of of the VJF. You know, you started as this fund, and then recognized that maybe some training needed to happen, so the the Jobs Kitchen uh, Accelerator was born, and now maybe even taking a step prior to that with the with the academy. What other things uh, have you found along the way? Is there any, any been anything that surprised you along the way, or or other ways that the the kind of mission or or the programs have evolved beyond what your original vision was? Well, as I mentioned earlier, we were we were more than surprised at the number of borrower candidates that came to us that did not have 
the level of acumen, experience, or instinct that they needed for us to be comfortable deploying capital. And that led to the Jobs Kitchen Accelerator and the Academy, which, as I mentioned, will be feeder programs to bring people to the level where they can compete successfully, we hope, for capital from the VJF or, or from other lending sources. And there are others around town. On the other side of it, uh, we have applied uh, for certification as what is called a CDFI, Community Development Financial Institution. And CDFIs, their heart is in the place of community development, neighborhood development, and banks typically will fund CDFIs with loans because they then qualify for Community Reinvestment Act credit for every dollar that they lend to a CDFI. So we're expecting that, uh, that we will receive that certification later in 2018. And when we receive it, we, our, our ability to invest will open up. We will be able to make loans that can be used to rehabilitate properties that are in disrepair, and getting them back in shape is going to be very good for the neighborhood. We will also be able to make larger business loans to companies that are growing, maybe a company that received a microloan from us, maybe they started with a Kiva loan and they received a microloan from us, and they've gotten very good revenue traction and they need capital to grow because no, cap no business grows without funding. Uh, even if you have revenue, then you have to build more inventory and uh, these are costs that you've got. Uh, so as a CDFI, we will be able to manage a variety of loans of that general type. The other learning for us, uh, we received a grant from the Farish Foundation to look at the issue that we had at that time was how can we be confident that when we exercise our investment programs in a particular neighborhood that we really are going to put it on the path towards greater wealth and greater prosperity and be confident that we are doing the right things to make that happen. The, the, we have not yet reported out in that grant, but we've learned a lot. And uh, I would say that the four major principles that we have come away from that research with is, one, we do need to make these microloans to bring in small businesses that will restore to these neighborhoods services that are essential to the residents and that over time uh, they've lost in the neighborhood. We also, we also have learned that... Uh, if you live in an area called, uh, like Parcells Avenue, Culver Road is a few blocks away and East Main Street is a few blocks away, but they do not think of that as their neighborhood. So when you think about helping a neighborhood, you're really looking at helping a geographic region that is a little bit closer than some of the main thoroughfares where there are commercial establishments. Uh, the second is we, we need to make sure that the residents of the neighborhood are instilled with a sense of pride and energy in their neighborhood in the direction that it is taking. Because the capital will get it started, but the residents have to keep the momentum going. So we will be looking very hard in any neighborhood that we want to support as to whether or not this energy level in what I would call community engagement is there. And if it's not, we're going to want to work with people to make sure that we can get it started for them and with them. Uh, the third is that... Uh, that uh, we know that with the downturn in our major corporations, you know, Kodak had 65,000 employees back at its peak in Rochester. And today, if there's 2,000, it would be a lot. Uh, 
Many of those jobs were mid-skill manufacturing support jobs, wonderful annual salaries, great corporate benefits. Uh, so when we look at a pattern of investing in a, in a neighborhood, if, we, if, if all we did was invest in small businesses that will bring important services, we really believe that the number of jobs that we can create through that method of investment, although critical for the neighborhood, is not going to be adequate to give it the total number of jobs that it will need to really put itself back on the map financially as a neighborhood. So we are thinking about a concept called an anchor business, which would not be a high-tech business. You know, we have high now Nextcore, high-tech of Rochester, which worries about that. And frankly, those are great and necessary. But we're thinking about businesses that are probably a few steps below that, low-tech, even no-tech businesses. But they're very steady businesses. They grow, they hire. And we think of these as businesses that could maybe in three to five years could be 15 or $20 million businesses. They will bring jobs by the 10s, 20s, and 30s as opposed to in the 3s and 5s. So we are really thinking hard about uh, a program that we might talk about to grant providers where we would work on even forming these businesses because we hear about business opportunities all day. And with our venture capital background, we know how to do this. So we might develop a fund that would target these anchor businesses to either attract them to a neighborhood, form them in a neighborhood, or if they're there, give them a significant shot of capital and mentoring that would allow them to make a significant step forward and get to a point where we're confident they can be an anchor business. So that's in our future. But all of the programs, uh, you know, these are these are looking at driving the impact of what we're doing and coming away feeling that we've done the right thing for the neighborhood, not only in terms of initial capital, but also to help them continue the progress to grow wealth and grow prosperity. So those anchor businesses you're talking about, it could be a, a brand new business that, that you're recognizing a need for in your travels around the neighborhood. It could also be that there's existing businesses either that may move there or may open up a second location there. So if there's any any listeners then that, that may fit that criteria, they, they could potentially be folks that you'd be interested in talking to? Yeah, sure. Even to form a business, I, I without naming names, uh, I, I'm going to be talking uh, next week uh, – with a uh, with an inventor who I knew way back in the day at Kodak, and he has some very interesting technology, and uh, if it really works as he as he's telling me it does, this could be a very interesting candidate for an anchor business. It would never be the kind of business that a venture fund would invest in, uh, but it would be very very attractive for a neighborhood to have a business like that there. Interesting, very interesting. We also uh, one our first cohort of the Jobs Kitchen Accelerator, we had uh, Steve Wardwell and Bill Campbell, a team that wants to get back into the business of manufacturing vacuum tubes in this country. Uh, there's still a market. There's about a $300 million global market. These tubes are now manufactured in Russia and China. Quality is not where they think they can, they can bring it. And uh, we're waiting for them to, to develop a prototype that we could talk to them about. But when they do, this would be a perfect anchor business for a neighborhood in Rochester. Yeah, yeah, I, I see the vision there, and I remember meeting them and seeing, uh, seeing some of the things that they were working on that you wouldn't you wouldn't think, but there there still there still seems to be a market for vacuum tubes, so why not in Rochester? Absolutely true. So 
I, I joke sometimes with folks, um, you know, the, the, the conscious capitalism label can be very, very polarizing. I joke that half the people hate the word conscious and the other half hate the word capitalism. So you have a, a you know, more traditional venture capital background. And, and I'm curious what you see as, you know, what is the role of business in the world and society? What do you see as, as, as that role for business? Well, in, in, I mean, my career was in the business world, and uh, Kodak was a great corporation. It did a lot of very good things charitably for Rochester and for major academic institutions around the country. The Eastman Dental Dispensary and dental services were brought to the Rochester area, at least by George Eastman. So in my view, uh, traditional corporations – they provide the engine of growth. They bring the potential for prosperity uh, through their success. Um, in my opinion, they should also have a sense of the community, the more conscious dimension that you talk about, because they are capitalists. Uh, many, maybe most corporations do, some do not. Uh, but in my view, the right corporations all share in this interest in the community and elevating uh, you know, contributing to the success of many, uh, but contributing to the prosperity and wellness of those that uh, that may not have uh, enjoyed the prosperity of others. Hmm. Yeah, and, and it's something as well that then it becomes, and, and I hate to put these on, on opposite ends of the spectrum, um, but but there is sometimes a, a push-pull relationship between kind of the profitability side and, and the purpose side. Obviously, you got to keep the lights on, certainly for the, the, the folks like yourselves that are investors that want to see either a return or if it's, you know, social impact investing, at least want to get their, get their capital back so it can be redeployed. Um, what, do you, what do you talk with uh, some of the people that you're investing in or some of the people that you're working with if, if maybe they do have a purpose of, you know, some of the, some of the metrics that you care about of creating jobs in high poverty neighborhoods, for example, or how do you, how do you coach them or how do you talk them through kind of that balance of profitability and purpose? Well, remember that, uh, when I started the, the, to think about the Venture Jobs Foundation, it was when people that, uh, were coming to Trillium, uh, to get capital and, and did not fit our criteria. So at that point, I started thinking about mechanisms to, uh, uh, to provide some support that they needed. And I thought, frankly, very hard about whether to organize it as a for-profit or a non-profit. Ended up uh, saying it ought to be a non-profit because then the purpose dimension is very clear. And it is managed 100% consistent with the mission, which is the way we operate our programs at the VJF. And, and frankly, in our case, because we only invest in businesses that are agreeing that they will create jobs that fit our social mission, uh, the people that we deal with as potential borrowers or recipients of our capital are really running businesses that are going to be delivering on the social purpose that we uh, that we insist that they have. And uh, I, my guess is over time, we're going to be talking, we, we, frankly, if businesses that we invest in were able to grow to a point where they graduated to where they were an anchor business and they remembered where their capital came from, we think that they would, uh, they would not be diluted in their intensity to sort of share in and drive that purpose as they grow. I love that. So it's been a few years now, you know, as you mentioned, you are 
kind of in a, in a silent phase and spent a lot of time kind of building up this idea and getting some feedback. Um, do you have any success stories so far, whether through the organizations that you've invested in or those that have come through the, the Jobs Kitchen Accelerator that, that are showing promise? Well, really, we our first loan was made in early 2017. And uh, so I wouldn't say that, uh, that uh, we can't look at the books and see rapid growth. And frankly, we're looking for steady growth. We're, we're, we're not dealing with high-tech companies here. Uh, one of our borrowers runs a small used car sales operation on the west side of Rochester, and uh, Mike and Marisol Grisby. So if anybody uh, lives or does business in the Lyle Avenue neighborhood, they should certainly stop in. We Our loan allowed them to expand their business from the sales of uh, used cars to include service, where the potential for revenue is great, the margin structure is good. So we – and they've hired one or two people since we made the loan. Uh, another company that received our a loan from us – uh, has added five new jobs. These are seasonal jobs because they're in the landscaping business. So I would say that the early indicators from the standpoint of new jobs that have been created are, are very positive. And as we, we want to grow our micro lending portfolio to a million dollars over the next year or so, and then we can, we can loan mon- money at a greater rate. We're actually looking at increasing our marketing efforts to reach more potential borrowers and to be able to help them through the process of, uh, of qualifying for a loan with the VJF. So early indicators, I think, are very good. It'll take us five years to know uh, how we're doing in terms of measuring the financial progress of these companies. But uh, job-wise, I think we're, on, we're off to a great start. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's exciting to see, and I know it, I know it still is early. I'm, I'm thinking about as you're maybe projecting into the future and some of the, the growth opportunities that you see, what are the, what are the biggest barriers? Is it, is it finding more sources of capital? Is it getting more entrepreneurs ready to take on that capital? Is it merely just getting the word out to the right communities of neighborhood entrepreneurs to, to you know, tell them that you're there and, and the services that you provide? What are, what are some of the barriers to kind of realizing that potential? I, I would say that to date, Andrew, <clears throat> we would – we really would like to be more effectively connected uh, to the borrower candidates that we want to support. Um, we have not had much of a marketing budget. We are, we are going to boost that. We're, we, uh, we are in line to receive a new grant that would allow us to hire uh, one or two volunteers that would work on reaching out to the communities. So that, that is really the, the most important next step for us is to increase – the flow of qualified borrower candidates for us to help through our micro lending fund. Uh, we're we're seeing good to uptake in the in the Jobs Kitchen Accelerator with people that are interested. So I think we're doing fine there. But but to reach out to the community and let them know that we're here and have them come and talk to us about borrowing capital, that's the most important thing. And I would say that secondarily, we want to work to uh, to grow our micro lending portfolio. So that when we develop a stronger pipeline of interested candidates, we have the capital to support them. It's it's certainly exciting, and I, and I hope that uh, that that you and and through conscious capitalism and other ways we can be a part of uh, you know removing some of those or overcoming some of those barriers to to really see that success. But it, it hopefully if if we're able to do that. 
what does success look like in five or ten years? You know, or or maybe maybe it's not fair to you know make it just five or ten. What does success look like in the longer term? As you're projecting out of of a you know the Venture Jobs Foundation realizing its mission or, or moving you know in strongly in that direction. Well, because we are a place based investor, uh, we look around Rochester and we can see a number of neighborhoods that uh, that were much more settled than they are today. And uh, you look at trends like the the growth of big box retail. Certainly that has been a contributor to diminishing the number of neighborhood businesses. You only need to look at hardware stores uh, that really defined the market 30 years ago. But today, Lowe's and Home Depot, each of which does great work, uh, has certainly put a tax on the neighborhood dimension of that. So we want to see some of these businesses come back. And businesses do run in cycles. So it'll happen. But as we look at a certain, at a, any neighborhood that we've looked at and have started in investing in, I would say that we will look at the number of new businesses that we have helped form, the number of new businesses that we have helped grow, and the number of jobs that exist in that neighborhood. And if we can help create businesses and help businesses grow and catalyze the creation of new jobs, we think that in partnership with others, we'll put that neighborhood on the right track. So there's there's a few great stories out there, and we'll, we'll have to uh, talk a little bit about you know, I, I was lucky enough to be trained as a as a mentor and facilitator for the for this program for the uh, Jobs Kitchen Accelerator program. Where there there's some other examples. I, I think Cincinnati was one. Uh, uh, Tallahassee was another one of of some places where where the folks that were training us in this uh, a co starters way of of creating a, a business plan and talking to customers and and starting your business kind of plan from that. Um, that, that there's some great success stories. So is there, is there anything that you've seen in other communities that uh, you think would, you'd love either through the VJF or through other local partnerships that, that we could really uh, learn from and bring to Rochester? Well, the, the co-starters platform that we use for the Jobs Kitchen Accelerator was developed and intended to support community entrepreneurs of the sort that we want to help in Rochester. And it's, uh, it's used in 50 or 60 domestic cities and a few international locations. So it's quiet, but it is uh, more widely dispersed than you would think. And they all have different models. The platform is merely a mechanism to help with the business knowledge, business acumen, understanding some of the fundamentals of running a business that entrepreneurs need. Um, I can see some who have adopted the platform and their sole goal is to help very small businesses uh, get started. In some cases, they don't even know if businesses will get started. They will train people that have an aspiration, and they will hope that they get started. Many do not have a funding mechanism to actually help people cross the bridge from having a desire to not only having a desire but launching a business. We believe strongly that, uh, that to help a neighborhood we have to really participate in bringing funding to help the growth of businesses, the launch of businesses, and the creation of jobs. And uh, so we will be, we started out primarily as a funder because we know that capital is required to do anything in the world of business. We are, if we had found uh, other agencies in Rochester that did exactly what we felt was needed 
we would not have needed to create the Jobs Kitchen Accelerator, but we didn't find any programs that we felt either hit the mark precisely or were ad- adequate in terms of quality and scope, so we did it. But we are, we are at the core, we want to be a funder. We want to fund businesses to get started. We want to fund to help them grow. And frankly, if we look at anchor, anchor businesses, we, we might be a certain type of venture capital firm that invests in seed stage businesses that get started with capital and we would mentor them and help them grow. It's just that we come in in a cut of the marketplace that's, that's below where the typical venture firms are. So we start there. If we can find partners that, can, uh, that we can work with to bring the other needed dimensions, our first priority is to work with them. We, we, we don't desire to duplicate what others are already doing and doing well. So it's interesting to me, as you're mentioning some of those other those other firms out there maybe that, that are investing, um, you, I, I'm curious from your perspective, is, are there things that you may encourage them to do to, uh, to move more in this conscious capitalism impact investing direction? Should, do you think that more investors should either allocate a certain amount of their, their portfolio to, to some of these, these businesses for more inclusive prosperity? Or, or what, what might you say to those investors out there who are purely bottom line focused and, uh, and you know, maybe listening today? Well, we would, we would love to find like-minded firms in other cities. <clears throat> and uh, we're aware that there might be some out there that we just haven't had the bandwidth to talk to. But I can tell you that uh, there are certain uh, nonprofits that have a limited capacity to provide capital, uh, and and Kiva would be in there. They do a wonderful job, but they don't provide the ongoing. Uh, they don't. They don't have the uh, the, the background to do the level of mentoring and pointing people in the right direction that we developed over more than a decade at Trillium Group. And we apply some of these same techniques in the world that's served by the VJF. So in some cases, there are firms with a very good heart uh, trying to deploy capital to do good, but we don't think that they've got the skill that's needed to generate the maximum possible benefit out of the capital that they deploy. And to us, we think it's sort of unfortunate. It feels good for a while, but at the end of the day, you're not connecting the recipients of a small amount of early stage capital with the resources to get them to the next level and or to provide the capital to get them to the next level. So um, at the other end, you have people that are very interested in, in, in social entrepreneurship that have a rich history of venture capital investing, and they, they want to do things that broadly meet the, the term of impact capital – but that could be a clean energy firm that ends up being a very large firm. So it does a lot of good for the uh, the environment. But I wouldn't call those firms interested in small business entrepreneurship. So um, we're not alone for sure, but uh, we don't see a lot of other people that are sort of traveling the road that we are. And we don't we don't see anybody else in Rochester that brings the skill base and the experience base that we do and wants to be a funder to help businesses go from a very early stage of capital to a middle stage and help them grow and prosper. 
Yeah, I, I definitely feel uh, we are quite lucky to have uh, the Venture Jobs Foundation and certainly your vision in Rochester. It's uh, it's filling a, a need, and, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for kind of your vision. Is, is there anything that you're seeing that's, uh, that, that's keeping either more businesses or more invest, uh, investors from adopting this, this kind of approach uh, in terms of impact investing, in terms of the people that they're hiring, in terms of uh, conscious capitalism in general? Well, I think in the investing world, um, the very high net worth individuals that do impact investing, they want a social dimension to it, but they invest as a financial uh, they, they invest for financial reasons. Uh, you know obviously well that uh, the Grayston Bakery and their open hiring uh, mission is being developed and will be launched in Rochester, which in my view is a great thing. Uh, and, uh, but the world of managing a corporation and influencing a corporation to do things in the interest of, uh, of helping lower wealth individuals get skills and improve their own wealth and prosperity, that's got to come from inside the corporation. And frankly, that starts with leadership. Uh, so we love it when we find uh, local companies that, uh, that uh, are oriented in that way. And, uh, and when Clean Craft and Ty Hookway get open hiring off the ground, we will be anxious to introduce him to other corporations in Rochester that we think have the mental orientation to do things like that, but they don't have the background and the skill. You have to have a frame of mind, but you also have to have a skill and an interest and a capacity to deliver it. And Ty is taking the lead on that, and I think he can influence others to travel the same road, but it wouldn't happen without him. So you need a leader who's sort of vested in the community development aspects of it and... uh, they are not on every corner. Yes. They, they are created deliberately, and certainly I created the Venture Jobs Foundation deliberately, and Ty is looking very deliberately at open hiring, and uh, let's see if we can't identify others in the philanthropic world or the corporate management world who become deliberate drivers of such principles going forward. Beautiful. So you're, you're leading me into one of my final questions, which is, uh, you know whether it's a, an investor that's in a in a traditional investing company, whether it's a business owner that's that's in a you know purely profit driven company. Um, what might you say to them if they're kind of interested, um, but they're maybe not there yet? That that kind of mentality that you're mentioning. I don't know if there's things from your experience as an investor um, in moving into more this this impact investing and the venture jobs foundation, or if there's if there's books that you read or experience that you, experiences that you've had. But what kind of led you down this path, and and what might you encourage uh, other business leaders to do to kind of elevate their consciousness, so to speak? Well, for me, the, uh, I would say that uh, in my Kodak career, I always tried to be fair to the people around me. I went out of my way to hire people who, frankly, were outliers at Kodak, but I recognized talent and energy and uh, intended to put them on my staff. And looking back, I was great, very grateful for having done it. We try to do that at the VJF. You, you really get down to the individual managers who thinks out of the box, and is willing to travel this road. Um, even with investors, you know, and, and philanthropists, the thing that we've noticed is that if you are, uh, 
if you're running a hospital that is doing wonderful medical things for kids, the connections to philanthropy are very easy. Our mission is investing in small businesses. Until we can demonstrate to people with a philanthropic bent that we are changing lives in the same way that connects with them when they think about medical service providers, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a bit of a struggle. We've been most successful with corporate foundations and private foundations that have come out of the business world. They get it. Uh, so we work very hard to sort of expand our capacity to relate to local philanthropists and others who uh, may not see that driving small business success in city neighborhoods is equally as uh, deserving of their support as uh, as running a food pantry or a medical practice or that sort of thing. Yeah, certainly. I, I I'm you, you know I'm on the same page uh, in terms of business can be that that driver and it can be a a sustainable driver. You know when when it's creating jobs that then have all kinds of downstream impacts for that for that community. So I certainly think that businesses that are more community minded and community oriented uh, can have tremendous impact for transforming that that neighborhood. And and as we're thinking then about that, there's so many different ways that your vision can, t- can touch the community. So I just want to kind of leave people off with uh, different ways that they might be able to get involved. So we've talked about if, if you're a potential entrepreneur, that uh, maybe you're, you're hitting a, a ceiling of growth, uh, or maybe you've, you've got to where you are based on, your, based on hustle and based on sweat equity, but you, you could use a little bit more structure in your business plan. The, the Jobs Kitchen Accelerator could be a, could be a great uh, opportunity. If capital is what's keeping you from, from growth, there's obviously some, some Venture Jobs Foundation uh, funds that could be of interest. Uh, it sounds like even for those who are just entrepreneurial-minded and, and they don't even know what they want to do yet, they, can, uh, they might be ha- having soon a Jobs Kitchen Academy that they could get involved with. Um, then some folks, if, if you do have business experience and you want to find a way to give back, you, you may be able to be a, a mentor for one of these programs. Um, are there other ways that, that, I, that I haven't touched on for people who are listening and inspired by the, the VJF that they could get involved or they could help support your mission? No, you really hit on the main points. I mean, the, the Jobs Kitchen Accelerator, there's an online application. Uh, for those looking for microloans, the VJF Rochester Fund, we have papers online that you can fill out and submit to us, so it's easy to apply online as well. We're not quite as structured yet on our website about recruiting mentors for the Jobs Kitchen Accelerator, but emailing or calling me, I think my, my email's on the website, and uh, probably my cell phone is too, 585-943-9000. Uh, with cell phones, we have no privacy these days, and that's a good thing, I guess. Um, the other is, if anybody should want to donate, we have a donate page on the foundation, on, on the website. We're working to improve it, and I think that uh, over the next year, we're going to be doing a lot more to try to connect with the philanthropic side of the community to sort of hasten our ability to deliver the benefits and the progress that we hope to do. Great. Yeah. And I think that the more that uh, just as time passes, hopefully we'll have some great success stories to share. Maybe we'll have you back on the podcast in, in a little while and hear about some of those successes. And, and I wish you all the best. And it's truly an honor to have you on. And, and thank you so much for all that you do day in and day out to, to really uh, unleash neighborhood entrepreneurship, help conscious capitalism uh, you know, thrive in Rochester for some inclusive prosperity. Well, Andrew, we're delighted to be here and uh, look forward to come back when we have something of merit to report. And 
We appreciate your support of the VJF as a mentor and so forth, and uh, certainly admire the work that you're doing with Conscious Capitalism in Rochester. Thanks, Denny. This episode is brought to you by Wicked Squid Studios, Rochester, New York's premier podcast development team. The Wicked Squid family brings ideas to life through the art of audio production. From custom jingles and creative services to studio memberships and educational curriculum, their outfit strives to empower all members of society to build a more equal and colorful world. Learn more about their operation at wickedsquidstudios.com.